everyone and welcome to Man Up, the men's mental health podcast. My name is Andy Richardson and sitting opposite me is the supercalifragilisticexpialidocious Tommy Danqua. Um, dilly, um, dilly, I. <laughs> I thought I'd do, I thought I'd do I, a good one because my last one was I know, shit. I was disappointed in your last one. That one was really cool. Thank you. I watched Mary Poppins the other day with my kids. Yes. What, the new one or the, the old one? The old one, the old one. Oh, you can't beat the old one. I know, it's the best. It was the best. How are you, mate? <laughs> I'm fine, I'm fine. Um, I must say, I'm obliged to say we are talking from the London College of Creative Media, which is uh, in Southwark. <laughs> if you want to do a music degree or some sort of uh, media type degree, um, I would thoroughly recommend this. Program. Hang on a minute. It sounds like you're being paid to do that now. <laughs> we're not being paid, everyone. We're not being sponsored. That... We are actually, we're doing this off <laughs> our own backs. Um, you know, this is time we could be spending doing anything else. But we're sleeping. We'd, there's no place I'd rather. Oh, you need sleep. Sleeping. Yeah. So, okay, here we go. We're sleeping. How have you been? I'm tired, mate. I'm very sleepy. Right, really? Yeah. Okay. Working what? hard, grafting hard. Now, have you been working too much, though? Um, is there such a thing? Yes, definitely. Of course there is. Uh, yeah, it, honestly, yeah, probably. But right. um, needs must at the moment. I mean, a new role, like I said, a new role is happening. I'm progressing. Things are really good. But yeah, I do feel tired. My shifts have changed. Yeah. So yeah, I'm feeling a little bit tired, but I'm feeling good because I'm making positive moves. So I know it's... Uh, it's, it, 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 this too shall pass, should I say? It will. Everything, everything, this is what I, one of the things when I was right in the midst of really bad sort of panic attack, anxiety stage, one thing someone said to me that w which really resonated um, and they said, uh, it's, um, it's temporary. You know, they said, you know, things will change. Things always change, yeah. you know? And so if you are in complete shit, unless you've lost a leg, then you'll always have lost a leg, you know, and that's bad. Prosthetic legs. Yeah. Pretty cool nowadays. They are actually, yeah. Pretty decent. That, that is very true. So even even things will change then. You could get a prosthetic leg. There you um, go. So Glass um, half full, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing ever lasts. Yeah. Not, not trying to sound insensitive if you have just lost a leg, by the way. <laughs> Sorry. That probably came across a bit crass. I know. I don't know why. Sorry, that was the first thing that came to mind. But uh, yeah, anyway, <clears throat> I just thought losing a limb is, is quite permanent. It's pretty bad. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Anyway. How, how are you, mate? How are you? <laughs> God. Um... I'm not too bad, actually. I, I'm not too bad. I've been, I've been um, a little, a little bit. I've had, some, you know, some stressful. Oh, he's having, he's having a laughing fit. Sorry, oh, dear. sorry. Oh dear. Oh, right, back in the room. <laughs> right. Yeah, I've been, I've been <clears throat> up and down. I can't say I've, I've felt amazing in the last couple of weeks, but the, you know, I've had some good times, and I've, and um, well, partly we'll go on to this a bit later on. But I've been uh, increasing my my exercise. I've been doing a lot of running. Good. Been go actually going to the gym now. I've got a. I did a little um, gym uh, personal training session, so I've, do, I've got this little routine. Um, you know, it's only it's only sort of little stuff, little weights. So I felt a bit put out because the weight weights that he gave me were like these two five kilogram weights, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I started doing them the other day. And this this girl half my size sort of stood next to me and was using the same weights and doing them a lot <laughs> better than me. But, you know, tiny steps and all it's that. It's progress. Listen, it's what is it? Um, they said, I read somewhere, it said, uh, if you're out, you're running, or you're doing exercise, no matter how slow you're running, you're still lapping everyone that's sitting on the couch. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, and also <laughs> me thinking like that, that is to toxic masculinity. Why shouldn't a woman be better at lifting hmm. weights than me, you know? 
Actually, going back to toxic masculinity, no, I know you we, love it. You no, love, do you know what? Got... I actually got chastised for it um, on one of our social media platforms because I mentioned it, and yeah. some guy really took offence to it, and we ended up having a big old thing on uh, on a, what was it Twitter? I think it was right. Toxic masculinity. This is disempowering men, and da, da, and I was just like, oh my god, this guy's cuckoo. Um, I looked into it a bit more, but um, yeah. Apparently, it's not really a good thing for us to be saying. Oh, okay. Because well, you yeah, well, you brought it up. It was then, me that started it as well. Yeah. So I actually had to go back after you know, <laughs> being of toxic masculinity and yeah, 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 yeah. Had to go back and be like, okay, look, I've actually read your points of view and yeah. I've looked into it a bit more, and maybe it's something I need to look at and the use of this word. This is for another podcast, though. Uh, oh, okay. Because yes. right now, having not slept properly. <laughs> My brain's not fully working. And you want to say the right... You yeah, want I want to say, say the, the right thing before I get another backlash. Okay. Because he had thousands and thousands of followers and retweeted me and was like, uh, this guy said this and blah, blah, blah. I yeah. was like, wow. Yeah. Keyboard warrior. Um, <laughs> so, so after last week, after talking to um, Matt Longley, uh, which was a great, which was a great uh, podcast, I thought, yeah. um, about... And stuff about Keith Flint. There was another famous person uh, took took his own life. That bloke from Love Island yes. uh, did as well. Yeah. You know? So it suddenly became you know these two celebrities that took their own life in the space of sort of a week or so. Suddenly, being famous and mental health, uh, there was a lot of stuff in the news about that. I don't yeah. know if you saw. I saw quite a lot of it actually. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, very interesting. It 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 shows that um, you know no matter how well off you are how much how much uh you, you know you might envy a person's position in life you know they they've got their own struggle as well i think you know so. everyone's dealing with something you know nothing about right you know, oh, everyone's like dealing that. with something you know nothing about oh, i like that so be nice to everyone i try and be nice to everyone i do try it's hard though isn't it it's very some it's people tough. are cunts oh, <laughs> that's is that the first time we've used that that's word the on... first time you know because i've been dealing with a few of them recently oh okay and it's true it's really hard to be nice to everybody you, okay you're allowed okay in that case you obviously got strong feelings and you're allowed to say sorry about that everyone <laughs> and if uh, my if my mum is listening to this particular one um sorry mrs richardson <laughs> So this is podcast um, number 13, by the way, unlucky for some, but not unlucky for me because 13 is my lucky number, I've decided. Oh, really? Yeah, well, because um, 2013, uh, I got my flat, um, I had a great year, uh, things were going really well for me and I just thought, it's bullshit, this, this unlucky for some 13 and so yes, yeah, so this is a lucky podcast, I think. Yes. Yes. All right, cool. Okay, are you, are you down with me on that? I'm down with you, mate. Yeah. If you say so, mate, I'm with you. So, so um, I did mention a little bit earlier um, about uh, my new exercise routine, and that is something um, we're both very, very, very sort of uh, adamant that doing exercise is something that can really help your mental health. You healthy agree? body, healthy mind. Fully agree. Fully agree. Yeah, yeah. And with that in mind, um, we do actually have a guest this week. <laughs> Um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm taking my time introducing the guest because, uh, I need to get my notes up. Um, do you want me to help you? Oh, go on then. You can help me. What have you memorized it? Well, I've memorized it. No, I've I know his name. I mean, I've memorized <laughs> <laughs> Come well, on, look, give me something. I mean, me... <laughs> let's keep it, let's keep it quite simple because you're doing your, uh, exercise regime. Yes. <laughs> I did a eight week training camp for boxing. I thought it was quite special. 
But that's nothing. Absolutely nothing compared to what this gentleman is doing, is it? And this gentleman is Chris Leak. Um, and he is doing a, well, he's doing, firstly, he's doing a world record attempt, which mm -hmm. in itself is uh, quite amazing. Second reason it's amazing is he's someone who's never done anything like this before. So. Well, he's done some things like this before, hasn't he? But Right. I mean, nothing the, on... The, nothing the on. scale of this is yeah, yeah. ridiculous. And it's a task that only 34 people, I believe, have actually done. And only yeah. four of them. Uh, well, let, let's... Let's uh, let him tell us what the task is, but it is ridiculously humongous. It is ridiculously hu humongous. I mean, you get people. I mean, and, and and I'm obviously in no way putting down these people. You get people that do five k walks for charity and stuff yeah. like that, and that's their own thing. You get people that do Ironman triathlons. You, you get triathlons. You get people that do um, you know a marathon, even which is like a huge feat. Yeah. This man. He's doing an ultra marathon. He's swimming the channel, and he's doing something else as well. Cycling. <laughs> Cycling. All right. So listen, he's gonna he's gonna run from Marble Arch. All right. Yeah. Go on. You know. Yeah. To Lands End, Dover. Then he's gonna swim the channel, and he's gonna swim it without a wetsuit. What the hell? Yeah. And then he's gonna cycle to Liark. Now. Yeah, and now there is a reason uh, why you might think, um, why is he on it? Is it just someone who's doing some fitness uh, kick? Fit, fit, fitness <laughs> kick, but there is there is some relevance. Firstly, um, he's doing it for um, for a couple of charities. I mean, his dad suffers from Parkinson's and also um, a type of dementia, um, which yeah. is in itself a mental health um, condition that we've not spoken about on this podcast. So we're going to talk about dementia, but we're also going to talk about um, the effect uh, that it's had on his own family and how um, exercise and counselling and stuff like that has helped his family and, and, and his own um, battles that he's had himself as well. Um, anyway, uh, that's a massive introduction. Can I just say that? I, I always say that's a really good introduction, but that's probably the best introduction that we've ever given to anybody. Yes. But, I mean, it deserves it. Chris Leake, how are you, mate? Very well, thank you very much. How do I... Uh, how do I... Go on from that. You better be good now, mate. Oh, no, don't properly. say that. <laughs> <laughs> he said he was no pressure. <laughs> no pressure, mate. No pressure. So, so rather than our, our um, COD introduction about what you're doing, can you explain exactly what it is you're doing um, for this uh, triathlon thing? Exactly what it is. Yeah. Okay. So uh, on the 2nd of August of this year, uh, I'm going to embark on a challenge that only 28 people have ever completed. Um, it's, it's called the Enduro Man Arch to Arc Triathlon. Uh, an ultra distance triathlon uh, consists of an 87 mile run from London's Marble Arch to Dover. Uh, then a cross channel swim um, over, to, over to the French coast. Uh, and as Tommy said, I, I won't be wearing a wetsuit. And then I'll be cycling from Calais to the Arc de Triomphe, which is 180 80 miles. Easy. Easy, <laughs> mate. <laughs> so, okay. So why is the next question? Why, why are you doing this? Okay. So, you know, my reason why you, you've mentioned it, my, my father suffers from, from Parkinson's and uh, over the last four years uh, was diagnosed with Lewy body dementia. Um, you have a physical and a mental disability on one individual. Uh, 
it, it puts a huge strain on, on the family. Um, you know, the, you know, speaking positively, the, you know, my dad is not the same individual uh, to, to where he was. You know, he's only 64 years of age and, and has struggled with Parkinson's for the last 15 years. So um, just trying to do my bit. Uh, I'm, a, I'm 31. I'm, I'm healthy. Um, I'm, you know, I, I feel like I've got a good life. I'm, I'm married. I've got, you know, my dog and, you know, things are going really well. And I just feel that it's it's time now for me to to give something back to the people that support not only my dad, but you know people forget about the the carers. So you know my mum is a full time carer, um, and I you know I have two two elder sisters who support on a daily basis as well. And um, yeah, I just I just feel it's time for me to make a big difference. For for the charities that support us, amazing. Now that yeah, that's a, that is a big difference, isn't it? Like normal people don't know a bit of dough. You're trying to raise a million pounds. Yeah, so I'm really fortunate. I I work for a uh, uh, brewing company um, and uh, the world's biggest brewer. And who are I'm, they? You can you can name them because <laughs> I think they're supporting you as well. So yeah. let's name them as well. They're so doing good I work things. for the the Budweiser Brewing Group. And um, we have a, a new brand uh, entering the UK, uh, Michelob Ultra. And this brand is all about healthy body, healthy mind. You know, drinking responsibly, but making sure that you're fit and healthy for, for the, your daily struggles. And between the brand and, and myself, we are aiming to raise a million pound for three separate charities. Um, Parkinson's, uh, Louis Body Dementia, and the local Saxon Centre, the local respite centre in, in Orpington. Um, and this money will be, you know, uh, life-changing for, for, for these charities. Yeah. That's, a, that's, that's, that's amazing. Um, and what, um, specifically, um, Louis, Bo Louis Body Dementia, what, how, what, how does that differ from... Is there a normal d dementia? I mean, what is what is that? Uh, Louis body dementia is a is, is, is part of a, a Parkinson's dementia. So the the easiest way for me to, to kind of describe it, uh, or the easiest way that kind of I've understood it is, uh, if you look at a bookshelf, uh, and the top of the bookshelf is your current age, and the bottom is your childhood, the bookshake uh, the the bookshelf has been rattled. And the, the books at the top have fallen over or fallen out. And that's my dad's short-term memory. So uh, unfortunately, my, my dad doesn't remember my name uh, and calls me Colton. No, no reasons why. He, you know, he doesn't know anyone called Colton, but it's a name that he believes is my name. Um, but what he does remember is what happened in his 20s, what happened in his 30s, who he, who he married. You know, he's been with my mum for, for 40 years. And my dad remembers the, the woman he married and not the woman that he lives with now. And oh, it's wow. those types of words and pressures that, 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 that get you upset, um, that you have to deal with because you love this man. Um, and, that, and that's the easiest way for me to kind of to, to describe it, really. 
Um, I don't know the ins and outs, but it's um, that you know Parkinson's is is the the lack of dopamine in his brain, which which affects the the muscle movement. But the 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 dementia side is um, is more of a struggle for me to understand. Is is it um, is it something that's like Parkinson's that is um, degenerative? Is it something that's going to get worse? Yeah, so over time, uh, it, it will naturally get worse. It is a form of Alzheimer's. So, um, you know, it is 24-hour care. Um, occasionally, we're, we're allowed to walk down the road to the petrol station and back, but we're on the other side of the road, and he doesn't know we're there. And in the nicest way possible, it's for his own health and safety. Um, obviously, with the pressures from... He's 20s through to his 50s. Obviously, a lot of people worry about money. And so his main worry every day is money. And it's because it's a feeling that he remembers back in the day. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's horrible to say, but, you know, we can't, we can't let him have his own money because uh, in the past he's, he's left it in places for people that are going to pick it up. Um, but this is, you know, this is in his, his creative world, in his brain. This is not real life. And you say, um, like, his memory from his 20s, 30s was money worries. <clears throat> I read somewhere on uh, the Louis uh, Dementia that part of the, um, something that, you know, a, a contributes or attributes to it is depression. If you've had depression, you're more likely to suffer from it i've picked up on the internet which yeah. is um again if ever there was a reason for us to sort of mind management take care of ourselves and help fight against you know people that suffer with mental health and uh, you know in particular depression this is probably it really uh, I, I was very fortunate in life um we, you know we had a very good upbringing um uh, i was I had a family holiday every year and my dad didn't let us go without. But in terms of, you know, during his 40s uh, was the uh, day and age of it when the credit card came, came out uh, to, to, you know, popular culture. And I remember seeing my dad when I was probably, say, 12 to 14. Uh, we had just come back from a holiday to Florida in 97. And it must have taken him two years to pay off but everyone put everything on credit and I totally agree that money and, and financial worries was probably the key to to developing this disease you know we can't prove it obviously but uh, you know you have your work work pressures but supporting your family is probably probably your number one pressure and um yeah, my, my dad never let us down, but was is probably or was probably his downfall in, in, to where he is now. Yes, yeah, so he was putting a sort of family, head of the family, brave face on, you know, wanted to do all those things and be like normal, but behind the scenes he was struggling financially and mentally then, basically. Yeah, definitely, and, you know, it's kind of you try and keep up with your mates at the time and, you know... I know personally going through it at the moment, you know, I'm 31 and we've just, you know, we get not, we've been on the property ladder for a number of years, but, you know, the house isn't 
to uh you know it's we're renovating it so you know we're trying to we're saving up uh to do it and you know that does put added pressure on, on yourself um and i think you're you're always worrying you always want to give the best to to not only your, your you know immediate family and your wife and you know your your, your mum and loved ones but um you know it's the social element as well you don't want to be seen to be not being able to to keep up with that and you know i've i've suffered from that in the past you know um going on holidays that i probably couldn't afford yeah. but all my friends were going and it does it does it puts another extra layer of pressure on yourself keeping up with the joneses isn't it it's a, it's definitely you know more common amongst men isn't it that sort of competitive yeah. thing as well you know yeah. which is what we're trying to sort of do something about on this podcast, yeah, big stuff. And definitely, like, you know, you mentioned the pressures of family. I can speak firsthand because I think in one of the opening podcasts, I said when I had kids or when I found out my wife was pregnant, straight away, my mindset was like, fuck, I need to start earning more money. I need to buy a big house. I need to do this, this X, Y, and Z. And it made me sick, mm. you know, actually actually made me sick. Not, you know, my my mental health just deteriorated because of it and, I think, you know, the relative is, and it's quite easy for me to sit down and say it now on the other side of it where I've gone through the mill and the grinds, but, you know, I said to you off camera, off, uh, off camera, who's filming this? I'll put it some CCTV, so right, you go. I said to you, like, you know, before we started recording that the other day, my youngest, he learned to ride his bike and we went to the park. It was a sunny day and it was the first day that we actually went out, rode the bikes played a bit of football together and and it's those things that are important you know my friends were not there to tell me oh well done or how much was the bike that he's riding and stuff like that and all the things that we put pressure on ourselves for I think we need to find a way to kind of you know realize the important things are just time having good quality time and keeping our minds right you know it's it's bullshit and I I mean personally I blame capitalism for that but that's another <laughs> oh that's, a, that's a whole other podcast here he goes <laughs> <laughs> So listen, talking of family, um, tell us the effect it's had on you and your family, your dad's um, dementia and that. Yeah, so, I, you know, um, I was 16 when my dad was diagnosed. Uh, didn't take it very well. Um, you know, I remember seeing my dad when he, when he told everyone. Um, you know, he was down the road with, with our neighbour and they were cuddling and crying uh, because they saw that you know we we obviously thought the worst um at the t you know i am a big boxing fan and obviously Mohammed ali is, yeah. is a is a, a you know a big sporting hero of mine so you know you constantly think of the worst um so yeah move, moving on kind of i then moved uh, out to university and you know my sisters and my mum kind of managed the 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 parkinson side of things but uh, coming through to to kind of later years kind of uh, my mum is now obviously at home with my eldest sister. Uh, she's decided to stay at home to support. And, you know, my dad lives off probably two hours sleep during the night. So my mum is sleep deprived. A um, lot of pressure during the day to help, you know, wash, dress uh, and keep him, you know, mentally active. Um, you know, I've, over the last... 24 months over the last two years I've really seen kind of a you know a real struggle for my mum and kind of we, we always forget 
that they're more important than the actual patient. Because if you haven't got a, a strong care system, yeah. then the uh, individual that's disabled does not have the support that they require. So we've put some uh, measures in place. We had an open conversation as a family. Um, money was, was, was one of the topics because we had to be means tested. We, you know, we don't get the full support. Um, and, you know, like most retired uh, couples, the majority of their money is in a property. And with dementia, the worst thing you could do is move away from a, you know, a, a place that you're, you're, you're familiar, familiar with. surroundings, yeah. Um, and they've been there for 34 years, so that wasn't an option. So, um, you know, what have we done? We've got the caring support now in. Uh, so, you know, we have, we have carers coming in on a Monday and a Thursday, obviously raising money for the Saxon Centre in Orpington, a respite centre that look after my dad on a Tuesday. And then the rest of the time, it's, it's either my mum uh, or, or, or family support. Um, you know, neighbours, you know, that people are great, but I guess what, what we forget is that this is 24 hours, seven days a week. Yeah. And, you know, it's very hard to kind of give your time up on a regular basis because you as an individual also have the pressures uh, and your own, own family issues to, to give up further time. So I guess what we've been able to do is kind of find people's time. And I think that's the key is, you know, don't waste, don't waste time is, is kind of, yeah. you know, so, when, you know, whenever I go around to, to do my three hours of support, which I, you know, I, I do enjoy doing, I don't find it a chore. I find it a challenge, but I don't find it a chore. I always make sure that we're kind of doing something active, be that arranging bottle tops in colors. Um, running through early learning center games. So for example, the alphabet and, uh, and animals and doing pairs, but it's simple games like that that keep his mind active. And I guess uh, it's a call out to everyone now that if you, if you do know someone with a disability that probably needs that little bit of support, you know, find an hour, you know, and, and, and you know, donate your time because, you know, it's in your interest. It's it's kind of it's it's available for you to give at no charge, um, and I guess that's that's my big call out. Yeah, amazing. And what um, personally, what effect has it had on you, um, your your dad's illness? What I mean, how how has how has it affected you over over the years, and in, and especially in more recent years with the dementia, which is probably quite sort of tough to have two things going on at the same time. Uh, I. I I do struggle to talk about it, if I'm honest. Um, and it's something that I am trying to kind of fight, uh, or fight's not the right word, really. Try to try to find a way of being able to talk about it. So most recently, um, I've opened up to my wife. So I now regularly speak to my wife about how I feel. Uh, and that was a big step for me because uh, my wife and her family have her own have their own challenges. Um, so I didn't want to put more pressure on, on, on Charlotte. Uh, cool. It's okay. You're cool. a safe place, man. It's good. <laughs> it's all good. It's hard. Uh, it's and then, so, so that's one thing I've done. 
physical exercise for me. Uh, you know, Tommy mentioned it earlier. I've done a couple of ultra events in my lifetime. You know, ran a marathon in my early 20s. Uh, completed the Ironman uh, as a bet, believe it or not. So, um, you know, once I'd done the Ironman, I felt a, a fitter me enables to give a better me to the people that need me. And, you know, after I completed the Ironman, you know, I kind of fell off the bike sort of thing and, you know, put on a lot of weight and, you know, sorry, mum, but I did start smoking, you know, and, you know, worked for a, a beer company in my mid-20s. I didn't excessively drink, but I did go out uh, maybe once or twice a week, and that's probably classed as binge drinking. Um, and, I, and I felt that I was uh, less helpful. So even though I was giving my time, I was tired, I was lethargic. I didn't have the energy levels. I didn't have that positive mindset that I have now. Um, which probably drives people crazy, by the way. I'm probably overly positive. But, um, you know, for me, exercise has really helped me kind of moderate my depression. You know, it does, you know, relieve your stress cycles. I, I kind of, I go on these stress relief runs. And, you know, when I go on them, I don't know how long I'll be out for. I've been out for three hours. I've been out for 20 minutes. And I kind of just disconnect from the world and I just run. Usually with, you know, on a shorter run with my dog and it kind of brings that kind of smile to, to you. Like my, my dog does, does give me a lot of, uh, lot of love, you know. Yeah. And, you know, animals do that. But um, exercise, it really has helped stem any kind of... Um, you know, really, really sad, sad feelings. You know, I've never been kind of suicidal or anything like that. But there are times that I think, kind of, why us? You know, and there's no answer. It's totally random. Yeah, I think that's the thing, though. And I think you know what you know. You said you don't. I've had suicidal feelings, but I think it's all right to accept sometimes, especially given you've gone through a lot. It's all right not to feel fucking great yeah. sometimes and actually be like, you know what? I don't feel good today. And actually part of being healthy is to actually acknowledge it, accept it. And like you said, now you've got an outlet with your wife to talk about yeah. it. For me to actually be able to speak to my wife now, the, the, what that's given me is like a whole oh, new level of support. And actually you're not a burden to her because she'd much rather you. I'm yeah. You know, because the wife's the same thing. She'd much rather... She knows what's going on rather than me bottling up. I'm fine, I'm fine, and doing things and not dealing with it because it just comes out another way. It might be a passive aggressive or might be lethargic or sleepy, but you know, it's, it's good to do it. But it's all right to not feel great, mate. Do, right. do you know what? I've just, you know, social media, I'm, I'm more of a snooper than a, than a poster. But um, I've recently gone onto Instagram and I, I really have followed uh, a lot of mental health kind of awareness. Um, and it's just simple, you know, one-liners that you kind of think, that's helped me. Uh, and, you know, the one that really does stick with me at the moment is okay not to be okay. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, it has become a bit of a global trend. But it, for me, for someone that didn't open up, 
Uh, and it, like I say, it's only recently that I've kind of really started talking to my wife and, you know, I'm more open to talking to friends now about it because I am actively posting about it. Yeah. It makes me feel so much better. And what gives me even more pleasure is when people message me to say that I've been, I've, I hate the word inspirational. I'm not inspirational. I'm just, or I don't feel like I'm inspirational. I just feel like I'm just a normal guy trying to achieve extraordinary things. Okay. I don't, I don't get paid to, to kind of be a professional athlete. I don't, you know, I have a normal job, a normal mm. life. And I just want to be, you know, the average guy that achieves extraordinary things that helps and supports the people around me. Yeah, and, in, and with that in mind, you're, you, you're, all, you're also doing stuff um, about your workspace, aren't you? You're doing talks and you've had, a little, <coughs> you've had a little sort of revelation at work and, you know, because it came to a bit of a flashpoint recently. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, Budweiser Brewing Group have, have really got behind this. Um, I've, I've recently done a, a talk at uh, our annual sales convention. Um, we've started up a running club on a Tuesday. Very simple, 5.15 on a Tuesday. Um, we go and run around the streets of London. Um, it started to get a little bit, you know, a bit more competitive now. It started off with like four or five people. And last week we had 21. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's great. We've now signed up uh, over 75 people to the Hackney Half Marathon. Amazing. On the 13th of May. Uh, so all of a sudden it's starting to really get some traction. And a lot of people are seeing a lot of benefits. Not just physically, but more mentally. And, and that was the key for this. This was about getting away from the desk and, you know, taking 30 minutes, 45 minutes just with yourself, maybe with your music, but literally getting away from everyday struggles, everyday stress, and, and actually having a bit of me time. Um, and it really has worked. And, uh, and like I say, I... I get so much pleasure from when people send me photos because they're now running with their husbands or their wives. Uh, they're getting their kids involved. And, you know, we, we, you know, as it, it starts to become like a collective family kind of. We're, you know, there's now kind of 70 of us, nearly 100 of us that are kind of really kind of helping each other uh, through physical exercise. Amazing. Yeah, man. Well, you say you're not inspirational. I beg to differ because I think that's pretty fucking inspirational. Um, oh, but you've mentioned your work a few times now. Um, when you were going through it, you mentioned that they offered some support for you. It was like with, um, was it with some food for your family? Yeah. So I was very fortunate that, um, you know, I did, I did raise this with, with a colleague at work. Um, I felt that that individual would, would, would listen and not judge. I was worried that if I opened up uh, and really kind of told this kind of corporate beast the second job, because, you know, it, it does feel like that sometimes, that they may think bad of me or that I couldn't do my current job. And I, I really kind of bottled it in because similar to yourself, I've kind of recently kind of gone up the, the food chain uh, and I didn't want them to think that I couldn't handle the extra pressure. Yeah. Uh, so I kept it to myself. 
uh, eventually I did speak to, to someone I, I trusted and asked for their advice. And I couldn't believe how welcoming they were to me opening up. Um, I, I, I was honestly shocked because they then put the support in place for me to kind of help my family get the support they needed, which was, you know, just an hour of, you know, it's classed as counselling, but for me it's an hour just to talk to someone that won't judge you. Um, and it made a huge difference. It really did. Uh, and I guess for me, you know, being here today is kind of, you know, don't worry about what, what others are going to think and, and, you know, don't, don't prejudge what your company will think of you. If anything, I think my company now think more of me that, you know, this guy can, this guy can not only handle the pressure, but he can, you know, give him the right tools and, and the right support. He can probably be even better than he is. There you go, everyone. So don't, don't bottle things up at work because if you open up, you could get promotion. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. God, I actually feel emotional listening to you, mate. I genuinely feel emotional. We're getting choked up here. Uh, let's name check your company one more time because I think that deserves a shout out. I really do. So yeah, Budweiser Brewing Group, um, uh, previously named AB InBev. It's, uh, you know, it's a great company to work for. And um, yeah, no, honestly, support. Thank, thank them all for their support. And, you know, they have really made a, a difference to their people, not just in the UK. This has now kind of gone to our zone colleagues in, in the whole of Europe. So I get colleagues from Belgium, from, from Spain, recently from France, uh, messaging me that, you know, they have started running or joined a gym and, you know, they've or, or even just reached out to their the people team, the, the human resources team. So, you know, if if anything, it's kind of, I do feel like I've made a little bit of a difference to people um, and, and just kind of want to continue this uh, and see how we can kind of build the momentum. That's, that's amazing. And, and so um, in terms of, so you've had great support from work. Um, I take it you've sort of been to doctors and the NHS, you've gone through that a little bit as well. I mean, what, what would you say, what would you like to see as an improvement in the way we handle uh, dementia in particular, um, and that that's that sort of di disease. How would you like to see a change in the way it's treated? Yeah. For for me, I, I do I do struggle. You know, obviously having not not having the means tested uh, support uh, is is a slight bitter pill. Um, you know, my dad has contributed to this. Uh, for, for the last 40 years. So, uh, and then not to get certain support is, is probably pretty disappointing. Um, I do, you know, I, I don't think there's enough support out there. Uh, you know, our NHS is, you know, we know it's at, at full capacity at the moment and, and they do an absolutely terrific job with the tools that they're given. But I do think that we need to put more, more resource in place. Um, you know the the support that the carer gets is is not enough, okay. That, and for me, that's probably the the biggest gap. You know the the drugs are there, the the respite centres are there, but the the training and support is not for the carer. You know 
My mum's never been taught how to lift my dad. My dad used to be 18 stone. He's now 12 stone. So, and my mum actually had to have an operation on her shoulder uh, because uh, she pulled all the muscles in it. But if she had been taught how to, how to physically move my dad, um, then that probably wouldn't have happened. Um, you know, getting the, the right equipment in place, equipment and fitting it is not that expensive. Um, and, you know, getting the bars and the rows and, you know, the, they make a huge difference. And if, if, if you haven't got that in your, in your home to either walk up a stairs or move from room to room, um, it puts added pressure on the, on the carer. You know, I, you know I'm, I'm five foot six, uh, I'm, I'm 12 stone myself, um, but I'm not strong. And for me to kind of physically fireman's carry my dad to bed puts pressure on my whole body and, you know, does create injuries. So for me, that would be, you know, we're not going to solve dementia, but if we can put more resource and, and, and more support for the carer, I think that would make the, the lifespan of my dad or, or, or other sufferers, you know, more comfortable. And, and I think that's, that's the key. If we can make their life more comfortable. Um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was reading a book recently and it spoke about how warped our society is when, when you know, we, we, people that do jobs which literally do nothing, you know, like sales consultant or whatever, and all they're doing is basically creaming off a bit of money for someone else to grab a bit of money. But people who do key jobs like nursing, care work, social work, they're paid fuck all, you know. And, th th you know, b b people collect bins, you know. Like, that's, like, if they didn't collect those bins, then, you know, we'd have shit all around our streets, you know, and they're paid fuck all. You know, we need to change our mindset in society where, whereby we really value these these people, I think, you know, totally. As a society, they make it, you know, they make things happen, don't they? Exactly. So then we can continue. Exactly. And if you paid them well, you'd get probably more motivation. You'd probably get more people sort of want, wanting to do that job, you know, and uh, and um, probably better, better care, I think, you know. I think, uh, I think you talk about carers, you know, you know, unfortunately, you know, there, there's a dirty part of the caring. And, you know, for me, it's, it's a very tough support to, to give. And, uh, you know, um, again, we do undervalue the, the, the support that, that is out there because, you know, not to sound too crude, you know, if, if, if an individual, you know, wastes themselves, yeah. you know, and, you know, it's a, it's a it's a dirty job to clean up, uh, and it's even probably harder when it's not a loved one because yeah, that's of hard course, enough. Of course, um, yeah. And so you know, and th there are things out there that we can we can do. So um, more support for the carers. More support. That for would the carers. be the key thing. Yeah. Shout out to my brother who for many years did that job and now works as a nurse. Uh, isn't paid that much, but works as a nurse and um big up yourself yes <laughs> wait on a positive yes are you going to break the world record oh, 289 uh, miles yep so three different disciplines yep 
Um, so the the this triathlon is uh, is based on a stopwatch. So from when I leave Marble Arch, the stopwatch doesn't stop. So I plan to do these three disciplines without stopping. And my only bit of sleep will be um, approximately two hours from when I finish the run to when I start the swim. And then from wherever I land on the French coast to getting up to Calais, because obviously I have to go through passport control. So 64 hours is my target. 74 hours is the world record. So you're planning to take 10 hours off? Yep, yep. So what? Quick, uh, quick math. You like that? Quick math. <laughs> switched on, mate. I'm tired, yeah, but I'm okay. switched on. You're good, mate. Yeah. So we've got, uh, we've got, you know, we've got the uh, a system. Uh, we we believe that, you know, if I can get myself mentally prepared, you know, physically, I could be the fittest person in the whole world. <clears throat> but if I'm not mentally in the right place, then I have zero opportunity of completing this. I recently completed a hundred mile run. Um, in Dover, uh, without stopping, without sleeping, started at eight a.m. I finished at six. Sorry, yep, yeah, started at eight a.m. Finished at six a.m. the next day, and I didn't stop once. Who does that? Um, what him? <laughs> He's a machine. And there was a point I'll never forget it. I, I really, you know, it's really hard to kind of bring this to life. But I was sitting on a rock in Dover, pissing down with rain. And it was uh, when the storm hit. So, you know, you had 35, 40 mile an hour winds. And I'm just sitting there crying. I had done 87 miles. I still had half a marathon to go. I'd been up for nearly 17, 18 hours. And I just had to kind of claw myself off that rock and just keep going. And I don't know how kind of, you know, I was always going to complete it, you know. I would, I would have crawled. I would have crawled the last half marathon if I had to. But I just needed that moment to kind of just evaluate on what I had achieved and what I'm trying to achieve. And, you know, I test my, my grip, my gut, my, my mind to the max. And, um, you know, I've not probably said it to myself, but I'm really proud of myself for doing Fucking that. Fucking yes, mate. So you should uh, be. Um, and that was a high five for everyone on the podcast that's <laughs> yeah. listening. Uh, but yeah, it's, it was an amazing feeling and we're going to get ready, uh, my team and I, um, because, you know, I'll be doing the physical activity, but they'll be feeding me. They'll be making sure that I'm safe. They'll be making sure my boat is ready. The current is, you know, not going to take me to the Netherlands. And, you know, there's a, a whole team out there. Well, that, that well, well, this is the big question that has been the burning question for me uh, for this um, whole thing is why without a wetsuit? Ah. <laughs> and also, I mean, why not make life easy for yourself and get in a fucking wetsuit? And also, <laughs> don't your That's nipples a, go a cold? Challenge. I guess um, I kind of want, I want the ultimate world record. You know, I, I don't. I don't do things by half. I don't take shortcuts. Obviously. <laughs> and I just, you know, to swim the English Channel uh, and to be in the, the record books, you have to do it without a wetsuit. So it kind of, you know, I did. It's only four people that have actually done it with a wet, without a wetsuit. Without only a wetsuit. four have completed it without yeah, a wetsuit. Four of the 28. Only four of the 28 people. Okay, yeah. Um, I swam the English Channel in 2016, non-wetsuit. So, and... Uh, 
What was that like, by the way? Was it that cold? Cold and uh, wet. <laughs> it was. It was interesting. Uh, the water's cold. Yeah. So for the men, obviously, when you're in cold water, <laughs> oh, yes, man things. down. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I'm open about this. I, my <laughs> testicles went in. inside. You had an innie. Yeah, an innie. and then <laughs> like, like know, a belly button, two belly buttons. <laughs> and then after 24 hours, I naturally warmed up and I felt 13 again. And, uh, <laughs> it was. It was an incredible feeling. I was paralysed from the legs down. What? Yeah, my hip flexors froze, and I was swimming in like an L shape. So I had a drag. Uh, my legs just. I, couldn't kick, couldn't couldn't do anything. My hips had froze. What the fuck? And you carried on. Yeah, just 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 what the, the team, the team just you know just drilled into me all the training I had done and jellyfish. Were there any jellyfish? Two stings. Yeah. So one on the belly, one on the arm. Um, obviously, you got the busiest shipping lane, so you yeah. have to trust your team to get you through those two shipping lanes without yeah. getting yeah yeah you know. Oh big old my. tanker over you. Because, because I, I mean, I last summer I went on holiday um, to Devon with my parents, and this was this was in June. This was in, this was in June, right? Like, bear with me here. This was in June, right? Right, and it was like that really hot spell. Where it was really, and I thought, oh right, I'll go for a swim. So I jumped in the water. I lasted about two seconds, right? It was like someone a bit was stabbed me, like all over my body like constantly and I just and I screamed I just went ah! like the whole beach looked at me and I came out again I mean apparently the water does sort of heat up as the year goes on you know so because that was just after spring and you know yeah. that's that's my excuse that's fresh <laughs> yeah but my gosh did you have it any when you got out <laughs> uh, I, just, I didn't even feel I just felt oh god anyway yeah so I think I think that's another thing to mention actually like you know the Cold water training is 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 the big part. So, you know, I will run, but the you know I can stop. I can have a break. Uh, I can sit down, have refuel with the swim. It's it's a constant. You can't touch the boat, and you can't stop. You just have to keep going, and the boat's there to, for your safety. Um, but cold water is really good for for you as an individual. It kind of. Uh, gives you uh, an increase in uh, your blood flow. And, you know, when you get out, you get like a really cold sensation on your back and you actually feel 10 times better. And, you know, I'll challenge you both to jump in to some cold water, not a plunge pool. So get into a lake or get into, you know, I'm training at Guildford Lido at the moment. It's 15 degrees and, um, and give it a go because... The, the the amount of positive energy you get from that it's um it's great well uh, well actually right near me there is a a wild swimming lake opening up pretty soon um in 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 Beckenham so um yeah not that far from you actually no? yeah yeah so I'm gonna I'm gonna give it, I'm not the best swimmer in the world my, my I'm a bit sort of um scatty you know and I sort <laughs> of flop around a bit but um but I'll give it a go. And you, Tommy? Yeah, I'm not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, do you know what? Look, I, I, I um, for the good of the podcast and uh, for solidarity, I'm going to Estonia next week, and there's a lake there. 
You're going to jump in? I'll jump in. Perfect. Okay. I'll, I'll jump in. I'll get someone to video record it and I'll send it to you, right, Chris? Video, video it, yeah. And then and we'll get the audio and we'll play some of the audio yeah. on, on here. I'm going I'm to stuff, uh, stuff my speedos <laughs> as well yeah. when I get out. Uh, do you know what? Funny you should say that because I remember um, I went on a stag do and it was... Um, because I didn't know anyone apart from the stag, uh, for some reason I got really, really drunk right on the first night just to try and be more sociable, <laughs> and to the point where uh, there was a there was a swimming pool, um, and I jumped in and I went, "Come on, everyone!" and everyone just looked at me, uh, so that was a bit embarrassing. But I got so drunk and I forgot. The next morning we were going surfing. We were in we were in um, the Isle of Wight. So I was woken up by this because apparently that no one could wake me up. So I was woken up by cold water being thrown on my face. I was like, "You going? Come on! You got. Go. We're going surfing." And I've never felt more hungover. But as soon as I got into that ocean, as soon as I started surfing, I completely forgot about it, and I felt right as rain. You know. Yeah. So I, there is must be something to that. The cold. It's water. a great feeling. Yeah. It's uh, the first first two minutes are really really horrible but uh once you kind of get get through that lull uh and and you get used to the feeling you know then uh yeah it's 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 lovely it really is it's uh refreshing right challenge accepted well there you go gents listening to this uh if you're feeling crap just uh plunge into some cold water <laughs> hangover remedy yeah <laughs> and then so so we're coming near to the end now because we're about yeah we're 53 minutes in so that's that's, that's our, our normal length um and so so you so you've come out so you've done that massive run you've swum the the, the channel with no wetsuit on mad as whatever your leg you can't feel your legs but then you've got to ride 187 miles 181 miles yeah, yeah. if i'm so, totally honest the way i look at it is that's the glory run Right. So, you know, I do cycle to work uh, every day, cycle in and out, uh, which be careful on the London roads. But um, again, I can put my feet down, I can have a break, I can have some food. So for me, that's, it's, a, it's a challenge for my bum and sitting on that saddle yeah. but, uh, and, and, and mentally being focused on kind of getting from obviously A to B. But um, that's the one thing I'm not worried about. Yeah. As soon as I get to French coast, it's then about me versus the clock. Yes. And whether I can get there before the 74 hours, but the dream is 64. Yeah. And so what happens? Uh, uh, do, are you, do you check? I mean, you've got a set day to do it or you just... 2nd gonna... of August. But once if like there's a terrible storm that, that day. Then... Yeah. So I need to be at the Arc de Triomphe before the 11th of August. So right. uh, I will start at Marble Arch 24 hours. Yeah. Uh, before my pilot says I can safely yeah. attempt to swim the English Channel. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. Right. So then, yeah, eighteen hours, nineteen hours to get down there, yeah. five hours to refuel, get the boat ready, and then off I go swimming into the. I think the you're going to smash it. I've got a feeling you're going to smash it. Do you know what? I, 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 I'm. I will be ready. I'm not ready now. Uh, I'm going through a bit of a lull, but uh, in terms of training, I'm tired. My you know, I'm bored, mm. but um, I will get through that, and then I will, I will get my mojo back, and I will be ready by August the second. So, if people uh, listening to this feel inspired by your story, how can they follow you uh, online, and how can they sponsor you? Give us, give us all the the details. Uh, so, uh, my uh, Chris underscore on Instagram, and uh, Chris Leak Channel Challenge on Facebook. Um, 
post probably once or twice a week, just an update on on how I'm getting on. Uh, and I also kind of talk a lot about the, the kind of running side of things that we mentioned earlier. And uh, yeah, the charity page is also on there. So thank you very much in advance. Yeah, right. and that's leek spelt L-E-E-K. Yes. Yeah, the vegetable, not the drip. <laughs> <laughs> like it. Okay. Mate, well... well you say you're not inspirational. I beg to differ. It's been amazing having you on. Thanks really you very good. Much for having me. I really, really do appreciate it's it. It's great. Yeah, thanks for being so open about everything. Um, I know it's been tough to talk about certain things, but um, yeah. I'm sure you'll help a lot of people by some of the stuff you said. So, um, and just thank you so much for coming in. It's been great. Thanks very much. Okay, I'm, I'm going to press the stop button. Stop button. Stop button.